0: Welcome back to the, another episode of Down the Line. This is episode number ninety-three. I'm Brevin Honda alongside Kyle Betts. It is Thursday, March twenty-third, just after just a couple minutes after three o'clock here on the West Coast. How are you doing, Kyle?
1: Doing great, Brevin. You're absolutely right. Uh, we're entering yet another busy week here on Down the Line. Just
0: so much going on here, and we're gonna get right down into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to kick things off with the Fast Five, and we're kicking kick things off number one. After a 20-year hiatus, making its return to the world of sports is Slam Ball. And if you know what Slam Ball is, it's you're playing basketball, but on trampolines.
1: Yeah, this will be interesting to see how this kind of comes back. I'm not too familiar with it, um, but I know that it is a sport that, like you mentioned, is making a comeback but at the same time, I believe it is going to grow too because it has so much potential, it's new, and um, it it combines different elements together. And I I think what's interesting about this is that it has some new investors um, that are big-time names, and uh, that pretty much includes Celtics forward, Blake Griffins, Philadelphia 76ers, and New Jersey uh, Devils, co-owner David Adelman, and Fnatic CEO... Michael Rubin. So some really familiar names there. And it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, slam ball kind of thing all comes together here just a couple decades from when it disappeared.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a six-week season um, with playoffs as well uh, in Las Vegas coming during the summer in July. So right in – I think that would be right in the middle of NBA Summer League as well um, that takes place between Sacramento and – um vegas all right we stick within the nba the realm of the nba where fortunate news came tuesday as uh clippers los angeles kiplers forward paul george exited tuesday's game with a knee injury
1: yeah this is tough to see because obviously we know how good of a player that paul george is but i feel like this season he's done a lot of things that people have not necessarily appreciated enough granted they are 38 and 35 and uh you know they're fighting for a better playoff spot right now um the addition of russell westbrook has honestly kind of paid off for them so far but when when pg goes down i i think you know that's a huge loss and especially when norman powell is already hurt man that's a tough blow but you know fortunately they did add some depth at the deadline eric gordon is likely going to slide into that starting lineup now with uh, PG injured. Bones Highland was traded from the Denver Nuggets. We all know how good he's been all season long, and they still have Terrence Mann. They got Nick Batum coming off the bench. They even added Mason Plumlee as a backup center to Aviza Zubat. So, I mean, this team, you know, really needs to be carried on the shoulders of Kawhi Leonard right now, but at the same time, I think these other guys, you know, who who fill in as depth have really got to step up here and try and contribute to this team because um, they are in a good spot in playoff contention, but at the same time, they could all lose it very quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. This is a Clippers team that takes on the OKC Thunder. Um, currently, the Clippers are a half game behind it. The Phoenix Suns from the number four seed and are a half game up on the Warriors for, um, you know, where they're at in the standings. They take on OKC, who's um, a game and a half up on the Clippers and the Thunder are at number eight. So it's a tight race um, in the Western conference as we've seen um, over the last few weeks, we saw the Warriors get a big win over Dallas as well in Dallas. That was the Warriors just ninth road win of the victory of the season.
1: Yeah. And, and like you mentioned this, OKC team, they're 36 and 36, you know, barely trailing behind the Clippers this season. I think, that's great for the league. I mean, to see OKC kind of thriving, led by Shea, and then also Josh Giddy. I mean, they have a really bright future ahead of them, and this is going to be a tough test tonight for this Clippers team who's down two of their better players, mm-hmm. obviously, um, in a matchup being featured on NBA TV. So this is a really important home test for this team tonight.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, we move on to number three of the Fast Five, and these, this piece of news just came out within the last – About half an hour, um Adam Schefter tweeted out uh per his sources that NF the National Football League they sent a memo to all clubs letting them know that the NFL Players Association informed the league that a person by the name of Ken Francis, who is not an NFL PA certified agent, may be contacting teams and attempting to persuade team personnel to enter into negotiations with um current Baltimore Ravens quarterback, uh, Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Yeah, this is interesting to see how this plays out.
1: Um, I I think uh, we're going to get a lot of really good social media reaction because of this. Um, I already see the memes kind of flying around on Twitter right now. But, yeah, I think this is always interesting when something like this happens. Uh, You would assume it's also going to enter some sort of NFL investigation um, down the road, especially. Um, depending on whoever Ken Francis is, um, once they learn more information in connection to Lamar Jackson, or maybe it's not connected to him at all. Maybe it's just a troll. But at at the end of the day, um, Lamar Jackson is going to be in high demand this off season. I know the Colts are a potential team that could end up trading two first round picks to get him. Um, He could remain in Baltimore. He could end up elsewhere. It just, there's a lot of different moving parts to, Lamar Jackson right now and uh the position that he's in and with this draft as well with four quarterbacks at least projected to go in the first round. So this is going to be really interesting to see
0: how this all plays out, but mm-hmm. really odd news coming out today like you mentioned, Brevin mm-hmm. um news came out yesterday. This is number 4 uh some more um sad news that came out. Um former Raiders tight end now with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Foster Road. Foster Road tweeted out that, um, he's gonna he's stepping away from uh, the game because during a routine physical conducted by the New Orleans Saints medical team down in New Orleans, he learned that he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, um. So and he also tweeted that he's grateful for the support and he thanks the people who have stood firm with him. Um. Yeah, and he can't wait to eventually get through this and be back on the football field.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, respect to him, obviously going through s- such a difficult time um, in his life and obviously uh, hoping the best for him and, and hoping that he gets better too. Um, you know, it's also too unfortunate, you know, not only necessarily from the football side of things, but just from, you know, a relationship standpoint of, Foster Moreau, obviously, departing from the Raiders this offseason and going to New Orleans, or intending to, I should say. Mm-hmm. He intends on signing with the Saints. He does, but during his physical, that happens. But, I mean, he went there to play with his quarterback, that being yep. Derek Carr. And so to see, um, you know, that relationship, you know, kind of be broken as a result of this, too, at the same time, you know, it's definitely heartbreaking. And um we're praying for uh Foster Moreau, no doubt about it and his family. And uh we're hoping that he gets through it because man, he he's an electric tight end. He can do so many different things well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just just hoping uh good things for his health and, and well wishes to him.
0: Mm-hmm. Thinking about last year, Foster Moreau, he had that game time touchdown catch uh in Seattle that led to that game going to overtime, that touchdown catch coming within the final two minutes of that game, and eventually that led to Josh A. Gibbs's Uh, game-winning 86-yard touchdown run, but you think about, too, the Saints medical team. Mm -hmm. This is the second time that they detected a serious disease within a routine physical. You think about long snapper John Doran Ross, um, who found out um, he had an aortic aneurysm that required open-heart surgery, and um, John Doran Ross was on, I think it was America's Got Talent as a magician, um, was, I think, top five of the year that he was on as well, so... Wow, um, the Saints medical team, um, being able to find, yeah, t- um, uh, things during physicals.
1: Yeah, props to them for that too, because you know, he he might have never known. I mean, you mm-hmm. know what what could have happened if he never had this physical. So you know, I, everything happens for a reason, and the Saints medical team was there to detect that, and I, I think
0: that's definitely a blessing for sure. hmm. All right, we move on to number five. Something more, something similar, uniqueness, but more on a positive note. The PGA Tour. It's got their alone match play event of the season going on right now in Austin, Texas. The World Golf Championships, Dell Technologies Match Play event. It's three eleven currently as we're going over this. The second round um is concluding up within the last couple of. Hours of play, um, Tony Finau, he's Tony Finau and um, Adrian Moronk, they started the day, um, they started the action earlier today. Finau won that matchup 4-3, and three, so he's now 2-0. and o. Moronk is 1-1. One and one. Kirk Kiriyama, who just won the Arnold Palmer Invitational for his first PGA Tour victory, he went 2-1 and one over Christian Bezudin out um, in Group 7. Harris English defeated Will Zalatoris 5-3. And Andrew Putnam defeated Ryan Fox, 2-1. Let's see, Group 15 action. Cameron Young beat Corey Connors, 1-up. And then Davis Thompson beat Seb Straka, 4-3. Group 2 action. John Rom pulled out his victory to get to back to 1-1 one one over Keith Mitchell, 4-3. Billy Horschel defeated Ricky F. Fowler, 3-2. So we get a tight race there, in Group Two. Nobody at two wins entering tomorrow's final round. In Group Twelve, um, Taylor Montgomery beat Jordan Spieth. Mackenzie Hughes beat Shane Lowry. In Group Five, Max Homa won three and two over Kevin Kisner. Hideki Matsuyama beat Justin Sa three and one. Group Thirteen, Sam Burns and Samish Power went one up in their victories. Sam Burns is two and zero entering tomorrow. Group four action: Patrick Cantlay won four four and two. He's two and zero in his matches. Ryan Harmon went three and two. He's also two and zero. So that spot out of Group four into the knockout rounds will be between Cantlay and Harmon. Group nine: Collin tied over Adam Savinson. Jason Day won two and one over Victor Perez. Jason Day's the leader of that group as the thirty second overall seed. Uh, two and zero in Group eight. Uh, Siwoo Kim defeated Victor Hovland. So he's 2-0 in his two matches. Matt Kuchar and Chris Kirk tied um, today. Group 16. um, JT Poston defeated Sungjae J one up. Also winning one, are also currently going on right now. Maverick McNeely, he is one up on Tommy Fleetwood. That is currently on the final hole in group one. Scotty Scheffler won five and four on Alex Noren. Davis Riley won two up on, or is two up through 15 on Tom Kim, the 20 year old. Yeah. In group 11, JJ Spawn, the former Aztec. He went yeah. five and four. Um, in his win over Sahith Tagala, and then Matthew ah. Fitzpatrick, he leads two up through 15. Huh. And yeah, then cool. some other groups that are going on, Xander Shaffley, the other former Aztec, he is two up through 13 on Aaron Wise. Mm-hmm. And then two up through 12 is Cam Davis over Tom Huggie in group six. In group 14, Tyrell Hatton is one up through 11. And then Russell Henley is three up through 11. And group and then the final group, group number three, Rory McElroy and Danny McCarthy. They are tied through ten. And then Keegan Bradley is four up through nine on Scott Stalling. So jumping out to a big lead is Keegan Bradley.
1: Yeah, I mean, there you go. Running down that whole kind of list right there of you know who who's going off in match play here today. I mean, I was never really familiar with match play personally until Mm -hmm. i covered uh the ncaa uh, men's golf championships uh Mm -hmm. this past summer and you know it it was a great experience learned a lot more about golf in the process and um you know it's exciting that the pga is able to do this you know at least they're able to do it once in comparison to um all their other events here but um like you mentioned those leaders a lot of them those guys we expected to kind of pull through here some surprises here and there but
0: yeah looking forward to the rest of this mm-hmm. uh competition here this weekend. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately it is the final match play event taking place in Austin, Texas with the new uh, uh PGA Tour schedule that will be uh, that has kind of been shifted um oh. next year that will will go from a January to August I think it is um mm-hmm. schedule compared to pretty much year round schedule. So we will yeah. see what happens with match play um, on the PG tour, but we will get to see it. We still see it every year with the presence cup and the Ryder cup taking place, but this is the one time a year on the PG tour. We get to see a um, match play. Mm. All right. We're going to move on now from match play on the PG tour to major league baseball. We are one week away from opening day and we're still getting clarifications that were made officially on Wednesday on the new rule changes, primarily on uh, the Pitchcock and the shift that we have broken down. Some of the new rules, um, this year, some of those just are common sense type rules, whether it's, um, whether it's the catcher making the final out. So they need more time to get ready, whether it's, um, Hitters getting brushed back on inside pitches, um, uh, or their helmet flies off during the swing. So, just um, it's more on the discretion of the home plate umpire, um, to make these decisions of when the pitch timer will start, um, whether it's in a bat or, um, in between innings.
1: Yeah, I think adding these is appropriate, and I think that should continue as these rules are kind of initiated into the game and and guys become more familiar with it and, you know, at the same time, umpires as well. So I I think that's important for them to continue to add on to these rule changes that haven't already implemented, but also continue to tweak them a little bit so that they are perfected. And, you know, it just really provides the game with a substance that can be tolerated, at least for the long term.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, some of these clarification include malfunctions with Um uh, That's the technology that pitchers use to communicate with catchers on what pitch to throw, if there's any issues with that. Um, also includes pitchers backing up, whether it's home play, whether it's covering first base on a ball hit to first base, whether it's uh, backing up third base. Um, those are all come into play um as well one of the one of the most strangest ones i think um within these clarifications there were new stand there are new standards that will be enforced for bat boys and ball and bat girls whose ability to quickly retrieve equipment to in efforts to speed up the game that is according to that memo from mm-hmm. mlb
1: yeah i mean it's important because you know they they have a role to play too especially uh, with everything that happens you know In between pitches too, so I think that's important to remember and especially consider now that everything is more crunched down. So with that in mind, they got to adjust, they got to adapt, and
0: you know I think they're trying to make the right decision so that it can be sustainable here. Mm -hmm. Feel bad for those ball boys and ball girls down the left field and right field lines, especially getting those hot shots and yeah, whether it's the older gentlemen in San Francisco. Hmm. or some of the ladies that we see down the line, I hope they're able to make less errors, I would say, down in 2023.
1: Yeah, I mean, you always pay attention to that kind of thing, especially with them down there. Um, Mm -hmm. Hoping that they do for sure, because we we want improvement for uh, not only the players, but them too, for sure, no doubt about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, before uh, we move on here, Brevin, I do have a little bit of an update about what we touched on earlier with the Lamar Jackson situation. Yeah. What you got mm-hmm. And Ken Francis.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: that being a tweet from Tom Pellicero, uh, he's with NFL network. Well, he tweeted, uh, that Ken Francis is a Florida man who most recently was pitching a home fitness invention. That's what Tom oh. Pellicero once again from NFL network was told. Um, Reportedly, Ken Francis is now trying to negotiate a nine-figure contract with NFL teams who are now being told they're not allowed to negotiate with him because he is not a certified agent.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: so, okay, this is, is going to be a lot of fun. So not only do we have that, but we also have Lamar Jackson replying to this tweet. Oh, geez. He said, <clears throat> stop lying. That man never tried to negotiate for me, and then he put two laughing emojis.
0: (laughs) Uh, This is going to be – I don't know which free agent saga is going to be more compelling, this Mm -hmm. one, or what we saw from uh, Minnesota Twins or now Minnesota Twins shortstop Carlos Correa. (laughs) Going through signing with the Giants, and uh, they take that back. Signing with the Mets, and they take that back because of injury history. So, yeah, What's Lamar Jackson is going to be something new for a lot of people. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, All right, as we make our way back to Major League Baseball after that quick little news break, um, we did have a free agent signing um, this past week: outfielder Jerks and Profar. who opted out of his deal that he previously had with the San Diego Padres. He signed a one-year deal worth $8.75 million, um with the Colorado Rockies. That is $7.75 million, uh in guaranteed money.
1: Yeah, I think this is a solid deal for this Rockies team who is trying to get better. They get a guy with a lot of experience in Major League Baseball, and um, he's hoping to really continue to earn everyday minutes. And I think he will um being a part of this Rocky squad. But uh you, you told me something interesting earlier, Brevin, about Jerks and Profar here and uh electing to go to really a divisional foe. But at the same time, um he could have stayed with the Padres.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the way he, I think with the way um he wanted his offseason to be, is he settling for 8.75 million? That's obviously based on, uh, incentives with the 7.75 million in guaranteed money it tells you that you know signing with Colorado who's kind of been go right in the middle of where they're at in terms of trying to build a playoff team they're not like Cincinnati or they're not like Detroit where they're not quite building but they're not quite in playoff contention they're just one of those teams that are right in the middle um if you kind of understand what I mean but yeah. You know, this taking eight point seven five million where he was only making like I think it was seven, seventy five thousand dollars more um in San Diego seventy five seventy five thousand dollars less in San Diego, it kind of just showed that he kinda settled um yeah. for the money. I mean, I think his I mean because we think about Jerks and Profar being one of the top outfielders having that left handed bat, um, you know, there were talks heading into this offseason, season jerks from pro Park could have got double digit million dollars, uh, for his contract, but yeah. settles at 8.75. So it's, um, interesting to see, um, him settle for that.
1: Yeah. So we're going to see how that all pans out over there in Denver with, uh, pro far now moving there from San Diego. Um, I-, I think still a guy with a lot of potential and he can really produce for them.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and at least two who'll get the benefit of being at course field and with the shift in, with the shift regulations in place you know my lead a few more hits on top of the air out there in Mile high um as well so we'll see how direction profile does with former USD torero Chris Bryant um also there in a rocky uniform all right We're going to move on now to our final division preview of the six that we have talked about over the last five weeks. Um, We are going to talk about the American League East. And with the way the growth is with a couple of these teams, you feel like any one of these five teams has the opportunity to win the division this year. You can make a case for all five of these teams to win the division.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, as we dig into this AL East, you feel like this is the ultimate, you know, kind of final boss here in terms of what we've kind of got into in terms of these division winners uh, predictions here so far on down the line. This is what we've done the past few weeks. And, you know, with this AL East man, like I mentioned before, it really is that sort of final boss comparison where really just so many heavyweights being a part of this region, being a part of the AL East and, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to see what happens because we, we saw a lot of
0: unexpected kind of uh, scenarios that unfolded last year. Mm-hmm. So you think about um, the American Yankees, you know, this is a team that has the reigning MVP and Aaron judge who hit 62 home runs and broke the American league record last year. Yeah. I think the key ultimately for the Yankees, it's going to be, it's not, solely on the entire starting rotation, but I think it's key on Garrett Cole and what he can do Uh, in 2023.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point because the rotation, it kind of has shuffled around here this offseason. Jameson Tyon obviously going elsewhere. Um, But when you think about the squad and, and what they've been able to kind of retain too at the same time, it really comes down to Aaron Judge too at the same time and having that kind of, star power in your team where your ace is Garrett Cole and you got uh, your best player being Aaron Judge. I mean, really everything is there. So it it just comes down to producing those on-field results. And Garrett Cole, it it seems like these past couple seasons, he's been up most of the time, but he's had his poor moments. And so I think he really just needs to address those this season and just become the dominant guy that he, he really used to be. Um, when he was on the Pirates, obviously his first couple of years at the Yankees too. Um, That's really what I want to see out of uh, him this season.
0: Mm -hmm. And then you think about from uh, one of the most popular teams to one of the most underrated teams in this division, it's the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, always, you know, even despite them, you know, not buying a lot on high price players, they're still finding a way to win 90 plus games and Kevin Cash is always going to lead this team to 90-plus wins, and that's something that you can pretty much count on year in and year out from this Rays team.
1: Yeah, once again, I mean, this is really a team that only has a couple of stars, so to speak, and <laughs> they still find a way to really produce. And when I say stars, I'm talking about their lineup. But I think really, Brevin, when you think about this Rays squad, where a lot of their production comes from, is from that rotation, man. I mean, just – absolutely stifling what they're able to do. McClanahan, uh, leading yeah. back Tyler Glasnell up there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Drew Rasmussen, you got Zach Eflin. I mean, you can keep going on and on. And, I mean, their bullpen even has some guys too. And so, um, I think just getting really good productive innings out of their starters, if they're able to, um, last six, seven innings per outing. I mean, that's really all that matters. And, um, Randy Rosarena he, he showed what he can do in this World Baseball Classic. That's what he's been doing now in Tampa Bay for years now. And we're going to see that from Wander uh, Franco here, too. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see those two continue to develop into stars. And this team has a lot of potential.
0: Mm-hmm. When we think about the two teams that continue to build and build, one's obviously much further in terms of building their team compared to the other one. It's you think about the Toronto Blue Jays and the Baltimore Orioles and we think about the Blue Jays, you know, having, having Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, you know, that company with, Alec like on the hill. I think it's going to be key for this Blue Jays team, you know, as they get, um, you know, Dalton Barshow within the mix. Now, you know, you get a full year, full off season with Whit Merrifield who was traded before the deadline. So, this is going to be a good Blue Jays team, I think, as well in 2023. This is going to be a really good Blue Jays team, Brevin. Mm-hmm. I have been
1: one of, like, the biggest Blue Jays closet fans for the past two seasons. <laughs> it's crazy because, like, mm-hmm. I just love the roster, what they've been able to do with this team, really, um, in this AL East division. Now, it hasn't necessarily translated to on-the-field results, but I think – it could change this season. I mean, this lineup, like you mentioned, they got Studs, Vladdy. They got Whit Merrifield, like you mentioned. They even got uh, Matt Chapman, who's from my hometown. Yeah. Platinum um, Glove. Platinum Glove, yep, absolutely. Remember when they traded for him a couple seasons ago? Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, um, them adding to the outfield, Brandon Bell or their DH. And that rotation, Brevin, I think really is up there with,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know – Top two or three teams in baseball right now, I think for sure. Kevin Gosman leading the way, man, He's yep. he's he he is that guy. I mean, Alec Manoa, pretty much interchangeable with that spot. We know mm-hmm. what they can do on their day, but even behind them, Jose Barrios, Chris Bassett, oh. man. I mean, these guys have some
0: nasty stuff. So to see mm-hmm. them combine that lineup with that rotation, it, it's dangerous. Yeah, and this can easily be a six-man rotation depending on the health of Hunjin Ryu yeah um here in 2023 as we get down the stretch I don't know if there's really a weakness for this team mm-hmm. I think it's just probably that experience I think yeah. is ultimately what it comes down to I think that's the I think that's probably the only difference but it's I mean when you play 162 games you already have that experience but in terms of the playoffs you know, I think that's the type of experience that I think may be lacking this team. And you can even put the bottom of that rotation. And that, I think that's probably the only two things that you could put down because you think about that bullpen with Jordan Romano, we saw what he was able to do last year, being able to lock down saves and lock down that ninth inning.
1: I think when you talk about experience in this team, you're absolutely right, But I mean, that's the one thing that they are lacking. But at the same time, they have brought in veterans that will help this team. I mean, they got George Springer, Kevin Mm -hmm. Kiermaier, that duo right there in the outfield. That's going to be important. Brandon belt too. Um, He's a guy with a lot of experience at high level. Um, So I think you're absolutely right. That experience is going to have to be important, but ultimately that locker room kind of leadership, it has to come from those three guys. If they want to be successful, Mm -hmm. because um, this is still a somewhat young team and, uh, we've seen how young teams can kind of be problematic at times in the past. So um, if they're able to um, really get off to a good start here this season, I think that's important and and they can stay the course. Um, They're going to end
0: up with at least a pretty decent wild card spot. Mm -hmm. And then we think about the other team that continues to build as we saw the growth here last year was the Baltimore Orioles. Think about this is the second year of Abby Rushman, we think about some of the other young prospects that are coming up. We think about Gunnar Henderson, for example. know, yeah, and this was an Orioles team, despite trading a couple of their big pieces at the deadline. This is a team that still found a way to win a good amount of games last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a team with a lot of potential. Kyle Gibson signing with the Orioles, obviously that's a big pickup for them. And their lineup is full of young studs. Uh, Rushman, like you talked about earlier, and then Ryan Mountcastle, he's a guy with a lot of potential. I think he's still so young and he possesses so much power. He's just 26, um, 6'4, 220. He can cover any part of the play, 22 home runs last season. That's going to probably jump higher this time around here in 2023. And I really like the signing of Adam Frazier, I think that's a really underrated pickup because he's a guy who could be a leader within that clubhouse, but at the same time, um, he really needs to find his contact and really just find his groove back again. I think that's really important. And then, uh, being a part of the outfield, Cedric Mullins and Anthony Santander. Yep. Um, uh, those are two other guys that have to be veteran leaders. No doubt about it. I think this is going to be a really fun team. Um, and I don't know if they're going to be able to surpass the amount of wins that they had last season, but, um, I think they definitely have the potential to because they're young and they're getting better. And uh, Brevin, how how interesting is it to see uh, Padres legend Jorge Mateo now man the starting shortstop
0: spot? I think the key, too, and what favors a player like Jorge Mateo with, with you think about the pitch timer, you think about the widening of the bases, it makes the stolen base aspect a lot more favorite in the game now and that might be the key um with the young Orioles team is just continue to run and continue to run um get on base and if the right guys are on base you can steal bases and that'd be the key for a player like Jorge Mateo um this coming year no doubt Mm -hmm. and then the other team within the American League East you got the Boston Red Sox I think the key for them it's How are they going to get back to a 2018 type of championship form? Not necessarily this year, but for years to come, despite trading away a player like, despite giving up, despite not signing a player long term like Xander Bogarts.
1: Yeah. And that's what's interesting about this team here, Brevin, is they really seem to not make the right moves when they were in a sure position to do so. And Devers really essentially being that only guy in which they lock up up long-term. I don't know what this team's going to look like here, Revan. It's going to be interesting. They have a couple guys in this lineup who, to be quite honest with you, I've never heard of. And so (laughs) it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, especially in such a competitive division. When you think about really ultimately what happens between these teams it's so competitive, and sure, they, they've they kept a lot of those good veterans within uh, their rotation, not only that, but their bullpen, too. But I don't know. It's going to take a lot for them to uh, translate that to on-field results and and for them to be productive, especially, I think, offensively, is going to be their main challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. And also, the health of Chris Sale is going to be key for this Red Sox team near that top of the rotation um as well and you know just you know when when he's healthy this red sox team is a lot better um as they acquire some of these veteran pieces you know they still got alex verdugo they still got some of these wow. other pieces these you know they sign masataka yoshida from japan so there's wow. these pieces that are there it's a matter of them coming together um but i think what was key during the offseason, yeah, i can't remember who said it uh i think it was on mlb network but this is a Red Sox team that didn't feel like a high market team. They're more of a smaller market type team Um, over the last few years, not being able to sign some of these top players on the market, whether it's like a Xander Bogarts, you know, it's more like a smaller market team.
1: It kind of does feel like that. And that's something we've never really seen in the past. So I feel like that's mm-hmm. why it's so surprising because we haven't seen it. And, it it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't feel right. They're always so competitive, but I mean, these past couple of years, like you said,
0: not so much. Mm -hmm. All right. So with that, we are going to make our pick, our final division winner for 2023. Kyle, who is the AL East? Who is your AL East division champion? Man, this is tough. Like you said, I don't know
1: what's going to happen here. I think ultimately I like the chances of really three teams here. I think it's going to come down to the Yanks, the Jays, and the Rays. I really want to see the Orioles go far in this division and, and try and compete as much as they can as long as they can. But I don't know. I just have a feeling that they necessarily won't get that far. I think the division winner is surely expected to top hundred wins. And I feel like at the end of the day, it's just going to be the Yankees, man. I feel like this team has just done enough to preserve their talent. And Aaron judge is like he said earlier, the reigning MVP. I think we're going to continue to see what he's able to do. I mean, as long as he's able to hit 50 home runs, that's a success. And um, I, I, definitely think he's going to get there. Um, it comes down to the rest of the lineup though. Surely. I mean, they, they need a lot of production there, but, um, when you have the MVP under squad, when you have a rotation with so many different guys that have been successful just all throughout their careers, I mean, one, for example, nasty Nester, we already talked about Garrett Cole. I mean, they added a uh, Carlos Rodon too. I mean, that's just such an important pickup and, um, the veteran leadership on this team combined with just the sheer amount of talent is so important. And I I think it's going to take them places.
0: Mm -hmm. This was a Yankees team last year. They went 99 and 63 to win the division. Um, Then the blue Jays came in second at 92 and 70. The race went 86 and 76. The Orioles went 83 and 79. They were uh, a couple games over 500. And then you got the Red Sox at 78 and 84, I don't really know if there's a the team that can top the Yankees within this division. As much as people want to say, oh, the Blue Jays have the opportunity, I don't know if they have the pitching to do so. And especially no. when you compare both rotations. Yep. And even though you could say the Blue Jays have a better bullpen, especially in terms of seven, eight, nine compared to the Yankees, I think it's still – um, the Yankees uh, have the opportunity. Unless we see, you know, Vlad Jr. did what he did like two years ago with like 46 home runs and 120 RBIs, and I don't really see that happening. And so right. I'm going to take the Yankees as well um, to win the division. So with that, that makes our AL East, that makes all of our six division winning picks. You can go back to each of the last five numbered episodes to see who we have um and the reasoning behind all 30 teams um this year Kyle and I both have the Padres to win the NL West Kyle and I both have the Cardinals to win the NL Central the only difference uh in terms of our division picks comes from the NL East Kyle has the New York Mets I've got the Atlanta Braves Kyle and I both have the Houston Astros We both had the Cleveland Guardians to win the AL Central and now had the Yankees to win the American League East. Kyle, if you had to pick two wild cards right now, who would it be in the American League? Man, this is tough. Um, I don't really know,
1: man, to be honest with you. This is is really difficult. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm going to pick one right now, out of this division? I'm taking the Blue Jays. I think taking the Blue, the Blue Jays. Jays are making the wild card this year. I think they'll do enough to get there. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. And um, they're going to win a lot of games that they're not supposed to. So I'll take them. Uh, I think they'll be very competitive. Mm-hmm. Next team. Ooh, it doesn't stopped. have to be from
0: the AL East, but just from the American League. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um
1: AL Central, you think about that division. A couple teams could be competitive there. Um, AL West, man. The Mariners expected it to be really good.
0: Um, I'm going to take the Angels, Brevin. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. Expecting on the health of Anthony Rendon.
1: I am. I am. Which might be too much to ask for, but you know what? If there's a bold prediction of the day, this is it. I think this is uh, a good enough team to where they should make the playoffs Uh and try to put together a pitch to keep Mm -hmm. Shohei Otani. And if there is any sort of a solution, it has to be that. Uh It all comes down to just put yourself in a position to make the postseason and... Just get a wild card berth because we don't know how good this Astro this mm-hmm. Astros team is too. So, um, wild card for the Angels uh, should be the goal. But um, I really like these two teams here that I'm picking for uh, wild cards representing the American League in Toronto and Anaheim.
0: I think the two teams that I'll pick, same two divisions, but two different teams. Mm. Or no, not even same two divisions. They take that back. I'm going to go Seattle,
1: mm.
0: and I'm going to go the Twins. Mm. I was thinking and about the Twins. We think about the health of Anthony De Rendon. Do you think about the health of Byron Buxton? Yeah. I think that's going to be the key. And, you know, we were talking about the AL Central last week. You know, being able to acquire Pablo Lopez to establish that rotation to, Really finalize that rotation. I think he's going to be key. So I'm going to take yeah. Seattle and Minnesota to win the to, to take those two wild card spots. All right, Kyle, who's your two National League wild cards?
1: And the wild cards, man. Um, again, this is tough. I think that I'm going to go with. The Dodgers as one. Yep. Yep. The Dodgers are good enough to uh, get a wild card berth here. Obviously, we both had the Padres going through and winning the West. So I'm going to take them. And then, man, this is, once again, pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. I really like this NL East division here. It comes down to the Phillies and the Braves for me. I think Bryce Harper being expected to miss the time that he is to start the season Mm -hmm. could be a little significant. And I think it could weigh on their
0: record at the end of the day. So I'm going to go with the Braves here as well. Yeah. All right. And then for me, I'm going to agree with you on the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. I think they'll have enough starting pitching to get through them. If not, they'll pick up a starting pitcher. I don't know if it'll be as big as maybe a Corbin Burns, but I still think the Dodgers will be able to, get in. And I think the other team, I think it's still from the AL East in, uh, um, I could see the Phillies get again. Yeah. I could too. All right. So those are our wild card teams. Next week when we record, we're going to pick our, or make our world series pick, um, what? next week. Um, so Kyle's two wild cards from the American League, Toronto and, uh, the Angels. My two wild cards from the American League are Seattle and Minnesota. Two NL wild cards, both have the Dodgers. Kyle's got the Braves as well. I've got the Phillies. So, sticking with the NL West and the AL East. All right, we're going to quickly move on here to the World Baseball Classic that took place uh, that finished up earlier this week. Team Japan defeated Team USA 3 2. It's the first WBC trophy since going back to back in 2006. And at 2009, so first trophy in 14 years, and it took the dream matchup that we had all talked about leading up into uh, this World Baseball Classic. A couple of Angels teammates facing each other with Shohei Otani striking out Mike Trout on a 3-2 slider.
1: Yeah, he came in the game in relief. He came in and closed the game out for Team Japan, won it for them. Uh winning MVP of the tournament did mm-hmm. Shohei Otani and, you know, once again at the end of the day, he, he is the best player in the world and he, he proved it right there Um, striking out the second best player in the world Um, how cool was that to see, so uh, a great moment for Team Japan for them to come out on top, I mean, such a huge accomplishment I was able to read what Shohei Otani was telling his teammates before the game you know, essentially saying, you know, these players are, I mean, they're big names, but we're not going to back down from the challenge. And that's exactly what happened. So um, it really was important for that matchup to happen, especially in those circumstances, because you'll probably never see Shohei Otani in in a closing role again, unless it happens again in the World Baseball Classic, right? So Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be fun to see um, how – The uh, interaction between Trout and Otani kind of looks like when they get back together and return to uh, the Angels' clubhouse. It's going to be fun to see how they kind of poke at each other and uh,
0: make fun of kind of what happened. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait for that. It's going to be so much fun to watch. It's been such a fun World Baseball classic as a whole, even from the beginning of pool play you got different stars from different teams. Um, whether it was Yu Chang from Chinese Taipei from Xander Bogart's team Netherlands to, um, some of the stars on team China, um, with Hassan Kim, for example. And then you think about some of the powerhouses, um, Japan, you think about, um, I see the t- United States, you think about Mexico and how good their run was. You think about, um, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and how good these teams were. We think about Colombia as well and um just how much fun um this WBC tournament was. Yeah, for sure.
1: And I think too, at the same time, um, how, how cool is it to see uh our former uh colleague from the Daily Asset, like Justin Wiley, I'm- reach his tournament with Great Britain, obviously. Um I don't know if he, he was able to uh, get that much playing time here in this tournament, but still such an accomplishment to know someone who actually ended up playing in this tournament, um, such as Justin Wiley. So, I mean, just a huge, huge feat for him and props to him. Congratulations. Um, so cool to see. And like you said, Brevin seeing all these players on a world stage and, and learning about them too, because um, I would have never had an idea that Justin would have played for Great Britain, let alone, someone like Xander Bogarts for Netherlands, for example. So just to see that and and learn about, you know, um, the ethnicities of other people, you know, where they come from, maybe even their parents, where they came from. Um, It's just cool to kind of uh, become more familiar with these players too at the same time and get to know them outside
0: of what happens in the major leagues with their ball clubs. Mm And too, we got to see the excitement from fans, whether it was, in japan at the tokyo Dome, seeing shohei otani there for the first time since coming over to major league baseball whether it was playing in china you see all those fans as well then we think about all the sold out games between arizona and miami uh leading up to the championship game and just the energy from all the crowds that we got to see um pretty much every single game whether even if it was like even that Semi final game for Japan to come back and win that game over Mexico in the final inning. Absolutely, and
1: um, just a crazy World Baseball Classic. I mean, just mm-hmm. great to see that kind of result happen in in the pinnacle of the sport, just kind of come together and it all culminated in the last game. Um, just so cool to to experience that moment between Otani and Trout, and for. Japan, too, to kind of come on, on top because everyone thought the USA was going to have their way. But um, great to see Otani lead the way there. And I think, too, a lot of potential for these Japan players moving forward. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see how they um, kind of stand out in the future. Before we move on here, uh, Brevin, I have some more NFL news for you. Yes, I think I um, know what you're going on here. Yeah, uh, we have a couple of things. That is Lamar Jackson is partnering with Ken. He is uh dropping the entire gym this summer. So uh that's his partnership here. I'm looking at what the entire gym is, and I guess this is the home invention product product that uh was touted by Lamar Jackson. I mean, how do you explain this? Brevin? I don't know. <laughs> yeah this is crazy um so obviously the the saga of lamar jackson and ken francis continues and uh now we have a reason for it so there's that also happening in the nfl right now is the competition committee is now proposing putting the ball on the 25 yard line when a touchback occurs on a punt the reasoning behind that is equity consistency and player safety whatever that means
0: what yeah as if there's not going to be safety when it starts at the 20 yeah i i don't know what difference does it make i don't understand that yeah
1: oh very interesting i'm sure we're going to get more on that follow up on it um Mm -hmm. obviously it doesn't make too much sense but uh like i mentioned we'll we'll see about that uh see if there's a relation in the future also, mm-hmm. one more thing here before yeah. we move on. Las Vegas Aces and Raiders yep. owner Mark Davis is announcing Tom Brady has acquired an ownership interest in the Aces franchise.
0: So you can say my bold prediction of Tom Brady to Las Vegas is kind of correct. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you partial credit, right? Gotta <laughs> count. No. All right, we're going to talk more NFL in the second half, but for now let's get back to some baseball. we got some angels to get to. Um, ESPN, they unveiled its top 100 players for 2023, and Shohei Otani and Mike Trout um, were the top two players on that list.
1: Yeah, rightfully so. I mean, once again, going back to the World Baseball Classic, seeing that moment kind of come together, I mean, that's the sport, period. I mean, that's a summary of baseball. Shohei Otani facing Mike Trout. That's where it all comes together. And once again, that proves why they are the top two players in the world. And to see them face each other in the biggest stage was just massive for the game. It's really exciting to see these two take the top two spots. But um, really, for this Angels team, you want to see it pan out on the field because we know how electric and dynamic
0: these two are. So um, why not convert that into wins now?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so much fun to see those two, especially now as teammates in uh, the red and white here in 2023, Manny Machado was number four on that list as we transition into the Padres. The team announced on a Wednesday, this was yesterday, that that their 2007 Cy Young Award winner, Cy Young Award winner Jake Peavy and former Padres owner John Moores will be elected into the Padres Hall of Fame in July when the team hosts the Texas Rangers, uh, so that's obviously managed by former Padres manager Bruce Bochi and general managed by former Padres pitcher Chris Young.
1: Yeah, this is going to be uh, definitely a honorable moment for these guys being involved in this, uh, being elected to this Hall of Fame ceremony. I mean, this is massive. Um, to see these two finally get honored by the franchise, I mean, just absolutely huge, uh, well-deserved, and um, you love to see uh, how all these guys are coming back um, to Petco Park and be honored. I mean, there's going to be ovations on ovations there from that Petco Park crowd, and it's going to be a lot of fun to take in this moment, I'm sure, Brevin. uh, You might be there, and you you might as well experience this too, but um, what does it say that, these two guys, uh, Jake Peavy, obviously, such a big influence in San Diego, and also John Moores. I mean, what does it say that these two are, are being celebrated by being elected to the to the Padres Hall of Fame?
0: Yeah, we think about John Moores, you know, being part of, um, you know, owning the 96, being part of the ownership and, you know, part of that 96 team that won that division, that had to sweep the Dodgers to win that division to, Nineteen ninety eight and get to the World Series for the second time in team history to that run in oh four and to oh five and oh six the division champs both those years and two thousand seven you think about that run in two thousand ten as well that ninety win year it says a lot about you know what John Moore's was able to do you think about being able to build Petco Park John Moore's was a big part of of that um, in terms of the ownership for the team and we think about Jake Peavy on that second half of John Moore's his time as Padres' owner and CEO, you know, winning winning the Cy Young Award, you know, this was a, a Padres pitcher that was drafted by the team and grew his way and worked his way up into becoming the type of pitcher that he was. And uh, to win a Cy Young, to win the triple crown of pitching as well, um, you know, just a solid pitcher that you needed, um, you know, and... I wonder whether it'd be a good thing or a bad thing, whether we see Joe Musgrove pitch on that night. Um, Yeah. Because then Joe Musgrove would be able to take it all in if he's not starting. Right. So, it'd be interesting to see whether or not Joe Musgrove pitches that night based on that time. Yeah, very true. Mm -hmm. All right, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some NCAA March Madness, another number one seed after we talked last week um, that goes down. Um, total of two number one seeds losing. We're going to talk about the State and State Aztecs. Moving on to the Sweet 16, we're going to talk some more NFL news, some players who have moved on to other teams, some, players, some more updates on some more players that were released by teams we're also going to get into trivia with kyle as we talk some mlb after the break
1: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. I am Kyle Betts, joined by Brevin Honda. Once again, this is episode number 93, recording this on Thursday, March 23rd, just after 4 o'clock now here on the West Coast. We got into our latest news of the week in the Fast Five. We also broke down latest MLB news, gave our AL East predictions, got into the our wild card predictions for the 2023 season as well. And we also talked some World Baseball Classic as well as the Angels and Padres to kind of wrap things up there in the first half. But now we're going to move on to March Madness before we get into football. And the NCAA tournament is back this afternoon here, Brevin. We're expecting a couple games here starting shortly. And pretty much this tournament has been really intriguing The whole way through once again, now in the sweet 16 phase of things, but those first two rounds, I mean, I've never seen such, you know, madness is all I have to say about what happened.
0: Yeah, we had two number ones go down within the first weekend. We think about Farley Dickinson beating Texas Southern and then in the locker room trying to fire their team up to take down the number one team in the country and it, it's one thing to talk about it it's one thing to actually do it and yeah. that's what Farley Dickinson was able to do as they took down Purdue um in the east region
1: yeah absolutely I mean just what a huge win for Farley Dickinson we've already seen the impact it's had on their program and I mean, same with UMBC, just one win like that can put you into relevance essentially forever, and them being the second ever 16 c to beat a one, it's very significant, and it did gain that national attention. But Brevin, I don't know about you, but personally, I feel like maybe it's because it wasn't the first time it happened, but I feel like this just didn't get enough national attention as I thought it would have.
0: I think it's because it's the second time, but also when you think yeah. about, you know, as we were going through our brackets on your bracket show, go watch, go listen to that show if you haven't. Yeah. But you remember how I talked about how all these number one teams were losing throughout the year, whether it was Purdue, whether it was Houston, whether it was cool. Kansas, all these number one teams were going down. Yep. And so I think that comes into play as well from what we saw this season. Um. You know, so it kind of, you know, it's not like, you know, Purdue or Alabama or Houston or Kansas, they were, you know, you know, they were, they all had wins above the thirty this year. Yeah. So I think that comes into play. Um, you know, Purdue was twenty nine and five. Uh, same with Alabama. Houston was thirty one and three, and then Kansas was 27, 27 and seven. So. Yeah. It's not like out of the how out of out of the swirl type records, right? Absolutely, I agree.
1: And uh, you know, ultimately, when you think about those one seeds, you know, the the parody of college basketball, so much changing within the course of a regular season, really unlike any sort of recent season that we've seen before. I mean, ultimately, culminated like you mentioned in those two one seeds going down the first weekend, mm-hmm. and that second team was Kansas. They lost to Arkansas, who was an eight seed. Now, Final pick, yeah. So this was my pick last week. In, uh, last week during our bracket show, once again, like he, uh, Brevin mentioned, go listen to that. But yeah, this is a huge deal here with Kansas going down to an eight seed. Obviously, um, they have a couple guys that really stand out within their starting five, but just really weren't able to put it together. And Eric Musselman, I mean, we all know and are aware of his antics, but when it matters, he does really seem to help his team find a way to win big games, and this is just another example of that. I have to give him props, of course, and I think Arkansas has a really good shot in the Sweet 16.
0: Yeah, they are going to face UConn. This is also an Arkansas team that's a little bit younger than some of these other teams Uh, in the Sweet 16. Arkansas, they're facing UConn. We get UCLA-Gonzaga later tonight. Uh, We got Xavier in Texas. We got Houston in Miami in the Midwest region for those two matchups. In the East region, Col and I did not do as well as we had thought. We did not pick a single Sweet 16 team. Huh. Um, But we got Tennessee and Florida Atlantic. And in the other matchup, we got Kansas State and Michigan State currently going on. Um, right now and then in the South region, you got Alabama and San Diego State, and you got Creighton and Princeton.
1: Yeah, I mean that that East was honestly impossible to predict. If we're being honest mm-hmm. here, but what you love about this time of year, right? So, um, very interesting uh, to see how that all played out. And you mentioned, you know, Arkansas being a younger team and them not having that uh, necessarily. Mm-hmm veteran experience and and tournament experience despite making the sweet 16 but a team that does have that is san diego state now they're on to the sweet 16 like you mentioned they do play alabama tomorrow that's going to be in a matchup uh just after three o'clock on the west coast but i think for me really it, it just comes down to being competitive how well can they play against a team that we know is so explosive offensively and San Diego State's calling card is their defense. I mean, obviously you can only do so much when you're so good on offense and and you're trying to defend a good offensive team. But, man, I think this is going to be a good matchup here in the Sweet 16.
0: Yeah, I think the mentality for the Sastix team of fighting compared to any game on their schedule this year, Mm. I feel like it's that road win that they got at Utah State when they had to limit them to under 60 points. Yeah. In order to get that victory in Logan. I feel like that's kind uh-huh. of that that similar mentality because of um uh, at that point in the year, you know, you know that Utah State could cheat threes and if you know, especially in that arena. And so and if you limited team to under 60 points when they around keep that game in the sixties, then you know you got a shot. And so I feel like that mentality might have has to happen here for the Aztecs tomorrow against the top team in this bracket.
1: Well, man, I'll tell you what, Brevin, this is going to be a really tough test for these Aztecs. They are currently seven and a half point underdogs. The total point over under for this game is 137. So that's a little higher than I actually expected. But in terms of the money it's Alabama minus 345. The Aztecs are plus 270. Um, the Aztecs are 4-0 against Spray in their last four games. And pretty much so are the Crimson Tide. I mean, they're 4-1 in their last five. And yeah. that's against a team with a winning percentage above 600. So that just shows how good this, team, this mm-hmm. Alabama team is. And, man, I just can't really see the Aztecs winning this game. But if they can make it close, that's going to be a good feeling for this program, you know heading into a new phase with all these seniors
0: departing. Mm -hmm. Kyle, would you take the Aztecs plus seven and a half?
1: I would definitely consider it, you know, for sure. I think anything can happen. And especially when you do play the Aztecs on any given day, they can clamp down and they can make life difficult for you. So I think this game definitely has the potential to finish below that seven and a half point threshold, I think that's very doable, especially in a tournament game. Now, it just comes down to if San Diego State can really defend well and they need production from a couple of their bench guys because that's the only way they're going to win. We've seen it throughout the season. Um, it comes down to Parrish coming off the bench and shooting well, okay. Adam Seiko, Jaden Ladee as well. Um, it's just really just so many different factors, but at the same time, there's not one guy that stands out. So it's like, who's going to be the guy to step up, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be the key thing to watch. Like you mentioned, the outside shooting. Yeah. Play for Matt Bradley, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, and maybe, hopefully, the offensive output from Darion Um, you know, against these guards that are he's going to be facing, that are like six or eight inches taller than him at the top of the key. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's going to be a great game. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a one against a five, this is really what you're looking for here in March Madness, and this is what it all comes down here. Uh, comes down to here, I should say. Um, tomorrow I will be driving, at least during the first half. We'll see about after that. So I gotta listen to Uncle Teddy the whole way yep. driving down from the Central Valley to Orange County. But um, I'm looking forward to this game, Brevin. Um, are you planning on going to any sort of watch party or anything like that? Viejas Arena is having one, I heard. I mean, there's yeah. All,
0: you know, the I know. I might just stay and home watch and watch party. the game what's up? I might just stay home and watch this game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be that intense. I think it could also be a blowout too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never really know what you're going to get from this
0: Aztecs team. It seems like no. And I think too, especially after facing the 12, a number 12 seed and a 13 seed, you got to face a number one seed. So yeah. And, and what's Beneficial if the Asknox can find a way to pull off this upset, they would face a six or a fifteen seat in the Elite Eight. And then in the and then if they win that in the final four, not looking too far ahead, they would take on a three or they could take on a as high as a three or a four seed. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: With Kansas State or Tennessee down in the east region.
1: Yeah, so I mean this is really that tough test for the Aztecs because when you think about it, if they can get past this game, they have a really good shot at making this final four after that. So um, anything is possible, but this is what it all comes down to here. And when you think about this team, Brevin, this is a squad that has been together for much of the past decade. I mean, there's guys on this team who have been there for six years. And mm-hmm. it's crazy to think about that. But um, this is what it comes down to here for this Aztecs side because I don't believe they're going to be this good in years to come personally. So um, with that in mind, it's going to be a competitive game, I believe. It's going to be a good one. And we won
0: an upset. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to talk about next week. And we look back uh, after this week seeing the Aztecs at least made the lead eight. Um, or whether or not we're talking about next week that the i are going to play in Houston next week for the <laughs> Final Four. Yeah. All right, so that's our March Madness update. It is, let's see, the score of that Michigan State game, that first game. Kansas State, the three seed, currently leads Michigan State, and Tom is a 33-29 to with just a little under three minutes up in that first half.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. What a game that was. Uh just so much happening here in this March Madness. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. And when you see teams like Michigan State make a run, no one really consider them to be um truly a contender here in this tournament, but here they are really coming out of nowhere and they're not where they have been in the past, where it's within those top one to four-seed range, you know, kind of level teams, but here they are, and and they're surprising a lot of people doing it at the same time. So I think that's a lot of fun to see, and you mentioned that East region just being so unpredictable. I mean, there's a 15-seed here as well, making the Sweet 16. How just absolutely nuts is that?
0: Well, Kyle, Princeton, the Tigers, are the smartest team in the bracket, so. Yeah, (laughs) that they are. (laughs) (laughs) out of the Ivy League. All right, we're going to move on to the NFL here. Some news more from Adam Schefter. This is earlier in the week. Um, Commissioner Roger Goodell and the NFL owners are expected to finalize a multi-year contract extension for Goodell at next week's owners meeting in Phoenix. You know what,
1: Brevin? I'm not even going to touch on the... Contract extension first, but I will say this: How come the year after I leave Phoenix, there is <laughs> the Super Bowl, there's spring training, there is the World Baseball Classic, and now there's an owners' meeting in Phoenix that I could have covered? Come on, now, right? Like,
0: oh, well, you should have found a way to get an extra year.
1: I know I should have <laughs> deferred, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> should have taken uh, like gap year or something, whatever, something like that. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think this is something that we all expected. Roger Goodell, you know, remaining the NFL's commissioner. This is something that we've seen for a long time coming. And no matter the criticism that he gets, no matter what happens in the league, I mean, he's still making big-time decisions that affect everything. And they're still getting viewers, and they're adding viewers, too, at the same time. (laughs) So that's ultimately all that matters to this league is, are they able to remain engaging? And they be the entertainment that millions of Americans watch week in and week out. And I think they've done a great job of doing so. And um, really no complaints. Uh, Obviously, um, there are some issues still in the league at at this time. Uh, Referees are a big problem, I think. Um, I think ownership is a big deal. That still has to be addressed by the league, too. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I think really just rules slash Refereeing and then ownership are two of the biggest glaring problems for the league. Um, once those are addressed, hopefully they are, if at all. But, um, I think, I think Adele is kind of been the leader that the league yeah. has relied
0: on. Mm-hmm. I think, too, the newer discussions that'll come up, especially as we get into this new league year, once the schedule comes out in May, the uh, the streaming aspect, in terms of watching these games, whether it's Apple TV Plus, whether it's um some of these other games like we saw from Amazon Prime last year, I think that'll come into play as well. Like we saw this past year with MLB being on Apple TV Plus on Friday. You can think about Peacock mm-hmm. on Sundays for some time. So those obviously come be coming into play too when this NFL schedule comes out in a couple months.
1: No doubt about it. All right, let's keep talking about some football here. Let's get into mm-hmm. our signings of the week. This is what has been reported by numerous sources, that including ESPN's Adam Schefter, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, mm-hmm. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero,
0: as well. Yeah. Um, some of these signings are official. Some of these signings are still reported. So okay. some of these are still – they've been either reported or um, are official.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right, let's get down into it here. Mm-hmm. first one we're going to talk about is Jesse Bates, free safety, obviously the longtime bangle. Well, he's joining the Falcons. Kind of an interesting move here. He is signing in Atlanta, and he's going to provide a lot of really nice veteran leadership and experience yep. to a secondary that already has a lot of potential with A.J. Terrell, and then also San Diego State's own, Darren Hall, yep. that he's down there still.
0: Yeah, I think it's also too, you know, especially in that wide open NFC South, as we've seen with Carolina and New Orleans and Tampa Bay as well. Um, it adds to the wide openness of this division. And, you know, we were saying at one point, all four teams were tied Um, at one point last year. So adding Jesse Bates, you know, gives Atlanta that extra... Um, get, gives an edge to them, you know. I see they're still, um, either hoping for Desmond Ridder to uh, take that growth here in his second year with no Marcus Mariota, which we're going to get to in a little bit. Um, but yeah, this is a good move to establish that secondary, like you mentioned, Kyle. I agree, absolutely.
1: All right, let's keep going here. Uh, free agency has been a wild time, but. It's not only signings that have gone down. It's also trades. And one recent one involved Brandon Cooks. Well, we all know that he requested a trade last year when he was a member of the Texans and uh, obviously had some uh, disgruntling moments there. They uh, ended up with a top two pick in this year's draft. But he's been traded, but he's staying in Texas. He's going to go to Dallas now. The Cowboys acquired him for a 2023 fifth rounder and also a 2024 sixth rounder. So the Cowboys are building upon what they already have in terms of their receiving core. And I really like this move because Brandon Cooks, I mean, he's still fairly young. I believe he's 28 years old and he still has a lot of gas left in the tank here. Mm -hmm. He wanted to join a contender. He got his wish.
0: Yeah, you think about you know, with just CD Lamb in the mix and no Amari Cooper, you know, this adds to it more. And I think from another perspective, you think about from another free agent standpoint in Odo Beckham Jr., it kind of takes Dallas out of the picture with Otto Beckham Jr. with this move of getting Brandon Cooks. But this is, um, yep. this will help be a good wide receiver too that could still find his way to get another 1,000-yard season um, as he remains in the state of Texas.
1: Absolutely. I I think, really, you bring that up, Brevin. The biggest piece that the Cowboys need in terms of receiving right now is their tight end position, because right now Jake Ferguson is their starter. They all have Peyton Hendershot, who I know caught a number of touchdowns last season, but um, that's a position they may want to kind of address here. And like you mentioned, adding Brandon Cooks, cooks I should say, to that lineup, it really adds to it, uh Michael Gallup being kind of uh their Mr. Reliable whenever they need hands to make a secure catch. And Tony Pollard, he's their lead back now, Brevin, with uh a guy that uh is departing in uh Ezekiel Elliott. Apparently he he's narrowed his list down to uh three teams now elsewhere. I know that two of those are the Eagles and the Jets.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where. You know when I heard that Kyle, I kind of lacked when he said the Eagles, yeah, <laughs> just because it's like, okay, watch. he's gonna sign with the Eagles, and then uh, when he plays the Eagles, he'll either get hundred and fifty yards, two touchdowns, and then like six catches for fifty yards. Mm-hmm. or he'll get like nothing, yeah, I'll get like <laughs> twenty yards, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh so true, yep, absolutely
1: so. We're going to see what happens with that. Going back to the Texans, though, they ended up re-signing their pretty much star player. It's Laramie mm-hmm. Tunzel. He's their left tackle. He ended up getting a three-year deal with $75 million. That's how much it's worth. $50 million of that is guaranteed Is uh, guaranteed, and $60 million in total guarantee. So a huge deal here for Laramie Tunzel. And um, he's pretty much their franchise guy.
0: Yeah, it's just the key to, you know, being able to establish that offensive line, whether it's with um, Damian Pierce up top in that running back position or the next one that we're going to talk about in a sec. But um, it's going to be so key in protecting their next quarterback as well um, in the draft with their second overall pick.
1: Yeah, you know, when you think about the Texans, this is a team who's trying to get better now with D'Amico Ryan joining them Mm as their head coach. And I think they were able to do that this week, too, because not only did they resign Laramie Tunsell, obviously departing uh, from Brandon Cooks, but they added a huge tight end here. Dalton Schultz, he is now the Texans' tight end, obviously leaving the Cowboys as well here. So we see them kind of flip-flopping some players here. And they also brought in Devin Singletary. He's joining on a one-year deal worth up to $3.75 million. So, I mean, these are two guys who can really contribute to this offense. Schultz looks to be the starting tight end. Singletary will likely be the backup. And, I mean, their offense is looking a lot better than what it was. And now it just comes down to seeing if they'll draft a quarterback, which we anticipate them doing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it'd be key to see what what the Texans decide to do, especially at quarterback, and then what they decide to do later on in the draft with wide receiver not having Brandon Cook's there no longer. It's just really Nico Collins and leading that group. And so yeah. that'd be the key for the Texans team um, throughout the draft. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Another uh, player who was able to secure a deal here is Adam Phelan. He is leaving the Vikings. Uh, veteran player who's been around the league for a while, but he's ending up in Carolina. We're not sure about... Their quarterback situation as of yet but he's joining head coach frank reich in their offense and he seems to be the guy that's gonna pretty much directly replace dj moore as the wide receiver one uh in
0: carolina yeah this is gonna be key for um whoever carolina's next quarterback is gonna be whether that's through the draft whether it's um through free agency whatever's left um among that video but this is key you know carolina i'm pretty sure they're no, I'm thinking of Jacksonville on um, on their suspended player. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is going to be big for Carolina, you know, especially without DJ Moore um, leading that wide receiver room. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. So a huge move there with them adding a really experienced and talented receiver in Adam Phelan. But another big move here was, I think, kind of a steal. C.J. Garner-Johnson, defensive back. He played with the Eagles last season. Well, he's signing with Detroit. He's joining the Lions on a one-year, $8 million deal. That's pretty good value for a talented player, and this Lions team is getting a lot better.
0: It is. You could probably put Detroit in the conversation for the best team during this offseason so far with the moves that they've made. Um, So – You know, being able to you know now having DeAndre Swift just be that lone guy in that in the among the running back room is going to be key for this Lions team moving forward. And when you add that defensive piece, it tells you how much this Lions team's coming together and how much they want to build this team that's in contention to win the NFC North.
1: Yeah, and another team that was in contention last season, we expect them to be this season too, is Miami Dolphins. They exercise Tua Tagovailoa's fifth-year option. So it seems like they anticipate him being healthy for this upcoming season Hmm. in 2023 after he missed so much with his concussion problems.
0: Yeah, that would be the key. Um, And what Miami does here um, with Tua Tagovailoa as we get into fall camp and into – Training camp, we got spring ball as well. So, pretty interesting to see, um, but it's a good nice move by the Dolphins to keep to by Tagovailoa for year number five.
1: Let's kind of circle back here now, Brevin. Let's go back and talk about the Cowboys. Well, they ended up signing cornerback Stephon Gilmore. He was with the Colts last season. Um, really good pickup for a team I think that needed a corner to kind of pair um, alongside of uh, digs on the outside, mm-hmm. so he ends up joining a squad, Mister um, Trayvon. Yeah, absolutely. So he he's got a lot of uh, experience. Does Gilmore? He's an all pro. He was in high demand. He had a rebound season last season uh, with the Colts. He, I know that for a fact. He won at least two games. One of those was on the last play in the Thursday night. victory over the Broncos, I think it was. So, um, yeah, he's a guy with a lot of NFL experience, and uh, he's looking to bring that now to Dallas and help them uh, make some
0: more moves in the the postseason in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a Cowboys team that wants to get back to winning playoff games uh, in addition to eventually winning a Super Bowl for the first time since 1996. So... Um, this this is a good step in uh, the right direction.
1: No doubt about it. And the Bills also made a move here this past week. They signed a running back, Damian Harris. And he is joining from the New England Patriots. Really nice deal here for this new Bills running back. I think he's going to end up either being a starter or second string. Depends how they really look at James Cook. And value him. But Damian Harris, still a really good weapon in this running back room. And there's also Naheem Hines, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Damian Harris replaces Devin Singletary within this backfield in Buffalo. And um, it'd be a good running back competition to see, you know, from year two. And James Cook, like mentioned, you mentioned Naim Hines as well. So it'd be a nice blend of running back competition as we get towards. Uh, fall camp.
1: Let's pivot to the Raiders here. They haven't made that much noise here in free agency so far, but they did trade away their star tight end and Darren Waller. And we obviously learned of what happened to Foster Moreau earlier here in this episode. But they ended up signing a couple veterans to kind of replace those guys here. They ended up bringing in OJ Howard, the longtime Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And they also signed Austin Hooper. He was on the Falcons to begin his career, and he joined the Browns um, after a few seasons.
0: But those two are now in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Hooper was also with the Titans, I believe. I think it was last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now both of them come to Vegas, kind of establish that tight end room. I think they'll add one or two tight ends during the NFL draft as well as... um, I think Dave Ziegler, I think it was the Raiders GM said, this is a good tight end class um, coming up here in the draft. So they'll add um, some rookie presence within that tight end room. And so, um, no, this is a Raiders team that's looking for a little bit more health um, and more availability in terms of durability from that tight end room, especially with Darren Waller missing the past couple of years due to injury from, hamstring to whatever it may have been compared to that 2020 season when Waller had nine touchdowns.
1: Yeah. I mean, Brevin, these guys are good to have a part of your roster, Mm -hmm. um, but they really did not do much last season. So it's a little bit of a flyer bringing these guys in, I would say. And like you mentioned, this is a fantastic tight end class here in the 2023 NFL draft. I mean, you got Dalton Kincaid, You got Michael Meyer, you got Luke Musgrave, you got Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta, you can put on that list. I mean, these are really talented tight ends at the college level who are projected to really stand out and be selected within the first three rounds, I would say. So with these names in mind, I think these teams are, they should at least be targeting some of these guys. And you would have to figure that the Raiders would be one of those teams, especially now as they Mm. kind of try to rebuild that tight end room.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, with Howard and Hooper, it depends on how much of the blocking role comes into play with them more than their pass-catching volume that they'll get um, this coming year. Absolutely.
1: No doubt about that. All right, let's keep going here, and let's talk – about the NL East and we're going to get into Philadelphia. Well, they ended up signing a quarterback. They saw Gardner Minshew leave and he signed in Indianapolis just a few days ago. Well, now they're bringing in a replacement backup and it's going to be Marcus Mariota coming in now. What do you think about this move here, Revan? The Falcons starter from at least a good part of the 2020 22 season ending up in Philadelphia.
0: Yeah. The Falcon, the former Falcon and the former Raider, Marcus Mariota. It's kind of like the, uh, he's kind of like the father. And then Jalen hurts is like the son Mm -hmm. of the type of football that they play at the quarterback position of how much running that these two do. And so it'd be a nice fun conversation and duo for um, these two in that quarterback room of how much you're going to be able to run and, how much how similar these two really are um on the football field? And it's not just a passing type of quarterback versus a running quarterback. These are two both running type quarterback second are also able to throw the football.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's now gonna be a Heisman Trophy winner and the yes. Heisman Trophy runner-up, but the runner-up uh-huh. is the starter. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So um It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out there, but I think it's a solid backup in Philadelphia now. Let's keep going here, and let's stay with the East, but let's uh, transition to the AFC. Let's get into the Jets here. Well, they're adding to their wide receiver depth. They need some help there. They added Nicole Hardman for as much as $6.5 million. They actually ended up trading one of their young guys too. Elijah Moore is going to Cleveland. The full trade details are more in a 2023 third-round pick, which is a 74th overall pick, are being sent to Cleveland, and that's for their second-round pick, number 42 specifically.
0: Yeah, what makes this – you know, I think about McCole Harvin being part of the Chiefs team over the past few years, and now gets to bring that experience to this Jets team, trying to build to a a championship-caliber-type team and a contending – in a really tough AFC ASC East, you think about with with um with Buffalo, with New England, Bill Belichick as well. And so um and then you think about the and then when you think about this trade with Elijah Moore and the draft pick that they got back, number 42, that gives them number 42 and number 43 back-to-back picks in the second round. And if it's more draft capital if the Jets are really going to acquire. Aaron Rodgers, as much as we've talked about it over the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here in the NFL, and this is just another one. I think it's a move that could go under the radar. We still need to see Elijah Moore's potential. He had some moments in New York that could have gone better between him and uh, not only ownership, but also the coaching staff. And, Nicole Hardman coming into the situation, he gives them an instant deep threat, which, if Aaron Rodgers does officially get traded to the Jets, could be huge for them heading forward. And um, obviously, we've heard him speak uh, on his situation, and and he's waiting for the Jets to make a move. But um, we're going to see if that happens at all. And and we still don't know their quarterback right now as of this moment.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, um, the Jets decide to do, but yeah, so we're going to keep you updated more on as this new league year continues Um, for 2023. We're going to get to our final segment of trivia, but before we do, it's on MLB, but before we do, news came out. Uh, Reese Hoskins, he had a non-contact knee injury. It turned out to be a... Uh, the Phillies announced that Reese Hoskins suffered a left knee ligament tear that will require ACL reconstruction surgery. Oh, no. that's gonna keep him out for the entire year. No, um, and he's set to become a free agent too after um the season.
1: Man, that probably is the toughest news of the day, to be honest. Mm-hmm. With you. And I personally have had a friend who was playing baseball once he was pitching. He tried to catch a pot fly on the mound, his knee, oh. pulled, he tore his ACL. Yeah. Shout, shout out to Tanner Roll if you're listening to That's this. That's
0: on the infielder's fault.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely. I'm
0: not telling the pitcher to get out of the way.
1: Yep, so we'll give him that for sure. Um. So that, that was his first of two ACL tears, by the oh, way. I would That's not him. on
0: you, Tanner. You can thank your infielder for not telling you to get out of the way. <laughs> so uh yeah, shout out to Tanner Mole. And uh yeah, it, I mean,
1: just going back to the main point what you said, Revan, Reese Hoskins, just such a tough situation, just trying to make a routine play and that happens. I mean, couldn't be more unfortunate. So hoping the best for him. Hopefully he he comes back stronger. And I guess too hoping he gets a really good deal in free agency. I don't know how much he's going to actually get now because his injury, I mean, it carries so much weight along with it, but um, we've seen what he's been able to do when he's healthy and he, he's
0: deserving of a large contract for sure. So uh, it's just a bummer. Yeah, it is. And then you add in the fact that Bryce Harper is going to be out for the first couple of months as he uh, recovers from Tommy John surgery that he had earlier during this off season. So this this Phillies team gonna be uh, challenged a little bit in the early going. Gotta rely on the bats of like a Kyle Schwarber or their newcomer in Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we're gonna get to trivia, Kyle. I don't know if you play MLB, uh, MLB the show, but they're they continue to unveil their ratings for each of their players. Kyle, have you been playing MLB the show?
1: So I have played. All the way since PS2, when it was on PlayStation yep. 2. Uh, just got a PS5. Had a PS4 last year before it. It kind of shut down on me. But last season, that was when Shohei Otani was on the cover. That was the first mm-hmm. year I actually did not buy it. So I haven't played it in a year. I know it comes yeah. out tonight at nine on the mm-hmm. West Coast. So yep. uh, I'm excited to get down into it. I haven't seen this list. I haven't no. really even looked at the game. I've heard it's supposed to be better than it has. We'll see about that,
0: by the way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, pretty sure Jazz Chisholm, mm-hmm. yeah. Chisholm is on the cover yeah. from the Miami Marlins. Their they're new outfielder now with Luis Arise at second base now in their infield. But Kyle, I want you to try and... There are five players rated 99 overall this year so far in MLB The Show 2023, or MLB The Show 23. Kyle, can you try and tell me who those five players are?
1: Well, I can tell you three of them for sure. Yeah, Uh
0: (laughs) uh-huh. Aaron Judge. (laughs) Yes.
1: Mike Trout. Yeah. Johei Otani. Okay. All right, so there's three.
0: Yeah. Now...
1: These these next two are not going to be as easy for sure for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know here. This this is a little tough. Um, I would have to imagine one's going to be a pitcher at least. That's correct. Um, so I'm going to go. This might be a little bit of a flyer potentially, but I mean, just
0: he he's a winner. So I'm going to go with Verlander, Justin Verlander, Kyle. Is not ninety-nine overall. He's ninety-eight. He's the only player at ninety-eight. I was gonna say, like, he he just won the World Series. Like this this
1: guy is a winner. Like he
0: just won the Cy Young a year after having Tom Don surgery. Yeah. And he's ninety eight overall and there's nobody at ninety seven.
1: Yeah, so is it Scherzer? Nope. Scherzer's at ninety
0: six.
1: Ninety six. Okay. Man, this might be a little harder, I think. Um, I might have to give a couple wild guesses here. But um, I'm going to give you another name, position player at least. I'm going to go with okay. Manny Machado.
0: Manny Machado is not 99 overall. He would have liked 99 overall. But right now he yeah. begins the year at 95, 95. with Bryce Harper and a starting pitcher Corbin Burnt. Now, I will
1: say, you kind of bailed me out there because my, my next guess probably yep. would have been Bryce Harper. But mm-hmm.
0: uh, I'm going to go with Goldschmidt. There you go. Paul Goldschmidt is 99 after his MVP season alongside the AL MVP Aaron Judge.
1: All right, so I'm looking for one more here.
0: Yep, they're looking for a pitcher. Let's go with Alcantara. Dandy Alcantara, the National League Cy Young, is not... A uh, 99 overall player. 90. Where is Sandy Contra? Is he... He is at 90 overall. 90? Na- yeah, his rating is wow. a 90. The disrespect. Yes. I'm looking for a pitcher here. Yeah, it's a starting pitcher.
1: I was going to say, is this a relief yeah. pitcher?
0: No, oh, it's no. not a relief pitcher. Yeah.
1: It's not any of those guys, huh? Oh. Um, huh, it's not any of those guys, it's not Scherzer, it's not Verlander, yeah, it's not Contra. nope. Man, I'm completely just shut down right now. Um, huh. I kind of have some names in mind, but I'm like, they're not going to be 99, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, man, this is tough. I don't know. Um, Let's go with... I, I I can't even say, like, Garrett Cole or something. I can't say Garrett Cole. Like, I just can't.
0: Garrett Cole is not... Yeah. Ninety nine. Garrett okay. Cole. I'm gonna pull him up. Garrett Cole is eighty nine. Okay, I was gonna say like he. There's
1: no way that he is currently ninety nine.
0: Um, there's a lot of players at eighty nine. I'm looking I, through these rankings.
1: At eighty something, you said. What. Eighty something,
0: you said. There's a lot of players at eighty-nine.
1: Hmm. Oh, okay. I, I I think I have the name now. Okay. Uh, if not, then I don't know. Degrom.
0: <laughs> there you go. Jacob yeah. Degrom is at ninety-nine overall. Yeah. It could be a little bit too high for some people, obviously, with the injury history that he's had over the past uh, couple of years. I like it. Um. Obviously, going. I think he went seven and two last year among. Thirteen starts, I think it was.
1: Yeah, I like him at 99.
0: But yeah, those are the five, uh, ninety-nine overall players so far on MLB The Show twenty-twenty, uh, MLB The Show twenty-three. You got Mike Trout, the couple of, uh, last year's MVPs and Paul Goldschmidt and Aaron Judge. You get twenty twenty-two, uh, MVP and Shohei Otani, as well as the back-to-back a Award winner in Jacob DeGrom.
1: It's interesting that I picked Machado over Goldschmidt first because, like, I, I think same last year, like, yeah. I thought Machado was going to win MVP. And then mm-hmm. DeGrom, like, honestly, I don't want to say this, but I kind of forgot about him just because he's in Texas now, and yeah. the way I was thinking about these players is going team by team. Yeah. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Um, to, to see him at 99, it, you know, it's definitely appropriate, no doubt about it. I thought Verlander would have been there, like you said, but um, I do like that list of 99s. I think it's solid. Um, you mentioned there was only one 98, but who's at 97?
0: There's no one at 97. Really? And then the trio at 96 is Scherzer, Mickey Betts, and Nolan Arenado. Where's Trey Turner? Trey Turner is... Uh...
1: Uh, 92. 92? He's it
0: 92 with Edwin Diaz, Giancarlo Stan, and Ronald Acuna Jr. And Kyle, Trey Turner is one rating short of your favorite angel, Anthony Rendon. What?
1: <laughs> Who's making this list? <laughs> oh it was God. fine. It was fine until you said that.
0: Anthony Rendon is one of the handful of players at 93 with Austin Riley, Shane McGlinaghan, DJ LeMahieu, also at 93. What? With Carlos Rodon, Emmanuel Classe, Jose Altuve, Max Muncie, and Byron Buxton.
1: Like, there are so (laughs) many good names on that list that deserve to be 92, and then you throw those up there. It's just like, what? Like, did you use a name generator and just throw them in?
0: Yeah, let's see. Um, who see. else is lower That's than that? Uh-huh. That's hefty. Um, Julio Rodriguez is 89. What? With Juan Soto and Garrett Cole and Dylan Cease, They have
1: Rendon over Juan Soto and <laughs> <they> rock
0: Yes. I knew that would get you. That's terrible. Um, Terrible. also at 89. I see you got Zach Gallen at 89? I, I like that actually. Mm-hmm. Julio Arias from the Dodgers is 88. Yeah, he's, Freeman he's is also 88 with it Will Smith. 88? Yeah, <laughs> wow, he, he's not even 90. Oh, better yet, Kyle, also at 89, the relief pitcher from the Philadelphia Phillies. Craig Kimbrell. All right.
1: Yeah, that's it. Uh, interesting. I mean, you could give him benefit of the doubt. Like, he could have had a, a tough stretch of seasons, sure. But, yeah.
0: Uh, Also at 90 is Josh Donaldson. Oh, what?
1: <laughs>
0: He's higher than Freddie Freeman? Yeah. I don't even... Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, Xander Belgarts is 86 with Joe Musgrove. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, that, that'll see. go up. That'll
0: go up. Uh, Kyle, who do you think has a higher rating uh, between these two Angels players? David Fletcher or Hunter Renfro? Hunter Renfro. Wrong. Really? David Fletcher, 87. Hunter Renfro, 86. 87? <laughs>
1: I thought you were gonna say flex is like 82 and then Hunter Renfro is like 80 like four. That's crazy. Okay, I'll take that. That's
0: good for Flex. Uh, oh man. Uh let's see if there's any others. Let's see. Teoscar Oscar Hernandez, 88. Um, um The group at 90, Kyle Tucker. Nick Anderson from the Braves, Max Free, Donaldson, Marcelo Zuna. Yeah. Colton Wong is a 90 with re- uh, relief pitcher Evan Phillips. Mm, mm-hmm. Pete Alonso as well with Sandy Alcantara. And then Zach Wheeler and G2 Realmuto are each at 90.
1: Like, I do like a lot of these ratings for the most part, but... Still a couple randos here and there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I, I do believe it is a pretty good list. Um, I don't know if I'm going to buy the game. I probably will, you know, just because, you know, when I get off work, just be able to play something new. Like, it's, it'll be fun because, like, there, if you play PS5, Xbox, PC, it doesn't matter if you're a gamer or, or whatever you game on but there's just no new games right now. So, MLB The go. Show, hopefully it's good, man.
0: Uh-huh. All right. Well, that's going to close out our trivia segment with Anthony Rendon being rated 93. No. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. But uh, to go back to the top, our top 100 players of MLB The Show, 23 with the 99 overall players, Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt, Aaron Judd, Shohei Otani, and Jacob Degrom.
1: Good list. I like that list mm-hmm. a lot. Um, th- those guys are going to have a really good year, all of them. And mm-hmm. I-, I just want the Angels clamory to stop. Like, I just want it to stop. Just please, at least make the wild card, you know, just do something. Like, we have the two best players. Uh, I don't want to be the laughing stock anymore. <laughs>
0: all right. Well, with that, that's going to do it for us here on it uh, down the line this week. Opening day is one week from today, like you mentioned at the top of our show. So we'll probably record a little bit earlier in the week, maybe on Wednesday um, of next week. So with that, that's going to do it for Kyle Betts. I'm Brian Hunter. We thank you for tuning into this week's episode number 93 of Down the Line.